This is episode 8. In this episode, you'll meet Tanya Reyes, the owner of two businesses and the founder of Mercadito del Encanto in San Francisco. Learn how she does it all while raising a family. Hello, hello, bienvenidos. I'm Giselle Martin, and this is Relate and Elevate a podcast with conversations of cultural identity and entrepreneurship. Join me to hear stories from entrepreneurs of different cultures and identities. I believe consumers want to support businesses and organizations that they relate to because it gives them a sense of community. I know it does for me. Also, my daughter will join me once a month to talk about the kid entrepreneur perspective. So subscribe to Relate and Elevate to learn more about closing the cultural gaps in the marketplace. Hi, welcome everybody. We're here at the Laundry SF in San Francisco Mission, and I'm really, really excited to be here with Tanya. Today's a very special day for her and for, you know, the Latinx vendor community here in San Francisco in the Bay Area. And um, we've been friends for... For almost a year, I think, yeah, we got to know each other through um, the Latinas Think Big um, Facebook group, which is a really awesome group. And um, now we've got to know each other and our families and how we both have really, really, really great big visions in life and we're doing what we can, right? Yeah. So we're going to get to know a little bit more about Tanya and her businesses. And um, you want to tell us why this day is so special today? Yeah, definitely. Thank you. So today is a special day because it's the debut of Mercadito del Encanto. And this is hopefully going to be a monthly event here in San Francisco, which we don't have an event like this uh, other than myself and one other uh, event that comes from L.A. Um, But Mercadito del Encanto is a way for me to bring to light Bay Area artists and creative people. Um, So all of the people that participate are from San Francisco or they're from Oakland or they're from the Bay Area. And yes, it's a very, very exciting day. Yeah, I'm so excited for you. I know, it's also nerve-wracking. Yes. (laughs) But you did amazing, like all the work that you've been doing, uh, most of it on your own. So, thank you. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely did put a lot of work into it. It It's also thinking outside the box and being creative, but I definitely think it's it's hard when you're one person and you're the only one out there doing it. So, me spray painting corners, you know, street corners. Yeah. I mean, it was all me. And that took one day of like five hours at night. And I felt like a mini criminal trying to. (laughs) <laughs> you know, but uh, but it was safe. It was chalk paint, so you know nothing, nothing illegal there. But yeah, again, it, it's thank you for that. I appreciate that comment because I did put a lot of work into it, and the promoting and you know pushing everyone also to promote and encourage them to promote is a yeah. hard thing too because we're yes. all we all work. Some people work and have part time jobs, and they do this on the side. Yeah, no, I definitely I see you. I definitely see you. So it's it's really great, and um, so we're gonna just. A little start with a few questions just to get you get to know you personally first. What's your favorite food? Nicaragüense, gallo pinto, queso frito, y tajadas. It's probably What's my tajadas? favorite. Tajadas is plantains, but they're the green plantains, not the maduros, which are the mm-hmm. ripe plantain. 
And what? How do, how are they cooked there? They're fried. So actually, interesting and interestingly enough, in the last couple of years, you may already see a bag of plantain chips. Oh, and that's, that's the hazas. But we. Oh. Um, my mother's Nicaraguense and my dad's Mexican, so in Nicaragua they're called tajadas. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah no, I've I've been eating plantain chips <laughs> for yeah. a while now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so plantain good. chips in English, tajadas in Nicaragua. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what's your favorite color? Yellow is my favorite color. Why? Because it's bright, it's cheery, it's beautiful, and not a lot of people wear yellow. Just like you, you're always so bright and cheery. <laughs> Thank you. I try. I'm definitely not always bright and cheery, but I definitely try. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just a gorgeous color. It's one of my favorite colors. It is pretty. Yeah. yeah. So what's the last book you've read? The last book I read, good question, because I don't typically have time to read. Mm -hmm. As you know, I have a five-month-old now and a three-year-old. Mm -hmm. I listen to books. So, oh, okay. Well, yeah, that okay. counts. What's yes. the last book you so listen to? The one that I'm listening to right now is the, let's see. It was actually recommended, and it's a great book. And I will tell you what it's called in just a second, because it is really good. Um, it's called Leapfrog. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's it about? It is, it's about uh, hacks, hacks for entrepreneurs like myself, um, and it's written by a Latina, so it's a really great book. It's called Leapfrog, the, the New Revolution for Women Entrepreneurs, Outsmart the Status Quo, Launch, Fund, and Grow Your Business. Oh, wow. I've never heard of it. That sounds... Yeah. It sounds so, like exactly what I need. Yeah, it's <laughs> what actually... What we all need. Yeah, it's a great book. I will say that I think some of the hacks that she talks about, I actually think we are already doing some of those, oh, okay. oh, but good. it's still great to hear from a Latina's perspective, yeah. and she also just talks about the struggles that we go through as Latino, Latina, Latinx entrepreneurs. Yeah, and so this is um, one of my favorite questions. If you could meet one person, dead or alive, who would that be? That is such a great person and such a great question. It's so hard to uh, answer because there's just dead or alive. There's so many great people. I mean, like right now, because of where I'm at in this second, I would say Frida Kahlo. I mean, who doesn't want to meet her and have a conversation with her? She was such a powerful revolutionary in all aspects of her life. I mean, even not just her art, but even in her personal life. So right now, that's the first person that comes to mind. But then there's also like Prince. I love music. Mm -hmm. Who you know, Michael Jackson, um, Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> there's so many people. But yeah, you know. I thought about this, uh, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago or months ago. If Frida Kahlo was alive today, like she was, if she was part of like our generation, um, I wonder how many uh, Instagram followers she'd have. <laughs> she'd I think she'd be one of the top. <laughs> yeah, I definitely would want to follow her Instagram More than page. Taylor Swift and more than Selena Gomez. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... What was the last song you listened to? Oh gosh, let's see. I mean, I'm playing a playlist, but the, I mean, this today's going to be kind of a blur. So there's so many. Uh, yeah. Suavecito. The one that you consciously chose to listen to. How about that? Oh, uh, Te Amare by Mark Anthony. Aww. 
Oh I was God. definitely singing my little heart out this morning on, in the car. I've been singing that one for a couple days. Oh, good. Okay. Puts you in a good mood. Yeah, for sure. So, how about, um, tell me something only a handful of people know about you. That is a good one. Um, that I played the violin once and that I love it and would love to go back to take lessons. Oh, cool. Yeah. I love the violin. I love the way it sounds. I love to watch people play it. I feel like they're in their own little world. It's just, yeah. yeah so I do that. I. It's one of my favorite instruments. Mind you, I can only play Mary Had a Little Lamb, but hey, that's good enough. <laughs> it's better than what most people can do. Yeah. So we're going to just dive into some of the questions. Um, how do you self-identify? I mean, I identify as a feminist Latina woman. Um, yeah. I was born in San Francisco. I have, my mom, like I mentioned, is from Nicaragua. My dad is from Mexico. Um, I feel that growing up in San Francisco gave me, uh, I like to call it grit. <laughs> mm. um, you know, it's, there's something, there's something about living in an urban city. Uh, it yeah. just gives you a little bit of, you know, it's not just street knowledge, but it's a little bit of street power, street cred, you know, because you deal with certain things that you maybe not wouldn't deal with in a suburban neighborhood. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it definitely gives someone a different perspective in life and also a different perspective of themselves, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. yeah, I definitely think you learn to stand up for yourself and mm -hmm. speak up for yourself. Otherwise, you might get chewed alive. Um, so I think there's a certain sense of a fighter um, as well, too. Um, and in general, I come from a generation. My mother, I mean, if you've ever met my mother, she's she does not, you know, she's, she, she fights. She speaks up for those that can't speak for themselves. She doesn't let anybody step all over her or disrespect her. Um, and so I get that from her. Um, and then, you know, I think interestingly enough, I, I do sometimes share when I have the opportunity that my mother named me after a guerrillera uh, oh. called, her name was uh, Tania, Tamara Tania Bunke. Bunke or Bunke, um, and she was a spy for Webera, Che Webera, um, oh. and my mother said that when she was in the hospital, because, uh, yeah, she just, with everything going on in Nicaragua, the political climate in Nicaragua at the time, um, she was a very popular, well-known woman, fighter, and she almost named me Tamara, which is her actual name, but mm -hmm. she named me her nickname, which is Tanya. And so I have a poster of her and I have a book about her life. And uh, yeah, it's a quite interesting. And I think sometimes my behavior and the things that I do, I almost feel like, wow, it's kind of like channeling her mm -hmm. in a way, which is Yeah, I could definitely see that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So yeah. So yeah, I think about that all the time, like our, our past ancestors and our past generations and things like that and how... How, um, if they're looking down on us, like, you know, yeah. what, what do they think, you mm -hmm. know? Or sometimes in an unconscious way, uh, 
somehow they manifest within our actions and yeah. the way that we live our life. Yeah. Because um, I think sometimes I like to hear how you, you got your name. Like, how did you get yourself? Because there's always a story. Like, I think me personally, I always want to know more about the person that I have a relationship with. Like, I always say I'm not good at chit-chat because I'm just really not good at chit-chat. Like, I'd rather have a deep <laughs> and meaningful conversation with people. But I think it's I'm because... I'm totally on the same page with you. I'm, yeah. I'm like, if someone asks you, oh, how are you? Then I will tell you exactly everything that I, <laughs> I'm going through right now. But I think most people don't want to hear the in-depth exactly. things that are going on with their most life. Most people are fine with, oh, I'm, I'm like, good. Oh, but good, I'm like, but right. are you like, really good? Like, no, what else is going I on? I don't think everybody is good all the yeah. time. Like, yeah. you're either, I'm great, it's amazing, I'm awesome, or it's like, it's a FML yeah. day today. I'm today. You know? like, today <laughs> no. is a, yeah, today is a busy day. <laughs> I've got a lot of things going on. I'm not feeling well. So, or yeah. I'm tired AF today, you yeah. know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, um, what does cultural identity mean to you? Um, I mean, to me, it's rep- preserving and representing where I come from, what my roots are, what my history is, what my family is. That's what it means to me. So I think that now having a five-month-old and a three-year-old, it's really important for me to be able to preserve Um, you know, my culture. And that to me, a huge part of it is speaking Spanish. So I want my children to speak Spanish. I want them to learn how to read Spanish. I want them to learn how to write Spanish. I feel like a part of me almost feels like the next two to three generations might lose that if we don't continue to preserve it and almost sort of enforce it in a way. Because I think that our You know, my parents immigrated to the United States when they were young and they were in their 20s, right? So I'm the first generation that was born and raised here. But then I've got my kids who are going to be second generation and then I'm going to have my grandkids who are going to be third generation. And so I almost feel that because I'm the first generation, the next generation is coming after me. If I don't install that in my child, then how can he install it in his children and pass that down? So I almost feel like that's part of that cultural identity and I think that it's important that as generations that are being born and raised here we need to hopefully make sure that they preserve the culture and you know certain things that they can pass on because pretty soon it's it's going to be just about that it's going to be about passing that on yeah yeah I definitely agree with you you know I did hear something that in in California by the year 20, 2050? Mm-hmm. But you know what? I totally forgot the thing. I'm not even going to tell you. But <laughs> <laughs> it's something like by the year 2030 um, or something, or uh, 50% of the kids in elementary school are going to be speaking Spanish. They're going to be like at least bilingual. Yeah. So there's definitely uh, going to be a need of more Spanish speaking teachers. Uh, in California you know yeah. I heard that because and then I start thinking like well there's new generations there's new there's people that are speaking Spanish that are new they're coming here all the time but I also feel what you just said and I'm just like how is that going to play out you know because mm-hmm. I see I see people like from other cultures like 
like from China. I, I grew up in an area where there's, they're like six, seven generation Chinese. And like, they don't speak any Chinese. Their parents, not their grandparents, speak any Chinese because they're like the six, seven generation. Like, yeah. I kind of also foresee that happening too. Yeah. Well, I think that with any cultural, so like when you look at indigenous tribes, isn't that what they're trying to preserve and pass down? Yeah. It's that passage. It's just really taking everything that you know from your ancestry and from your culture and passing it down. It's like yeah. storytelling, right? Yep. It's that game, right? I'm going to give you a sentence, you're going to repeat it, and then you're, you've got to do it down the line type of thing um the other thing too is that spanish the way it's taught here isn't necessarily the way that i learned it right it's it's the it it can be anything as minute as the tone of voice yeah it could be the rhythm of the speech so if you hear me talk to my mother who's nicaragüense you will hear the Nicoya part of me come out. Yeah, it's It different. just comes out natural, yeah. but it's different. It's not the same no, as when I speak Mexican. No, it's not. <laughs> right? My sister, my sister's fiance is Nicaraguense. He was born in Nicaragua. He came here when he was five. And then um, his parents, and she, they live together. So sometimes she speaks Spanish. Um, you know, we're, we're Mexican. Our family's from Mexico. And sometimes she speaks Spanish, and I'm like, okay, you're speaking Nicoya Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the Nicoya came as my sister is Mexican, but yeah. she has Nicoya <laughs> yeah. now too because it's yeah. part of her everyday life, you know, and it totally is different. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's why also it's important to travel. I think if you have the opportunity to travel, save your pennies, make, you know, save your dollars, save a little bit of money because if you yeah, have you know, a family... we don't need a lot of money to travel. We really don't. Yeah. I think for plane tickets, they tend to be costly. But once you're there, it's, most countries are very inexpensive to, to, to travel in. But again, traveling is going to become huge because... Again, if you're from a certain part of Nicaragua or a certain part of Mexico, it's not, it's not, Mexico is not all the same. You yeah, have Durango, so you have different. Oaxaca, you have Guadalajara. So if I take my child to Zacatecas every year, he's going to, that's again, that's preserving that, that history and that culture. And it, he's going to learn and see that Zacatecas is different from Guadalajara and he's going to be able to, to retain that and that's important yeah. too so even if you are born or raised in San Francisco or I mean in, in the city or in the U.S. it's important to when you have children and a family to travel to where your parents are from to know that history yeah for sure so now we're going to switch gears a little bit and ask about your business or your businesses yes. what do you sell what do I sell? What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I actually have two businesses. So I have Amores Meals SF, which is things that I love. It really does represent two things that I love a lot, and that's jewelry and, and children's books. Uh, so that is, uh, you know, it's handmade, handcrafted jewelry. I work with women's collectives, and then I also work with a publisher in Mexico that publishes some really amazing, great Spanish books. And again, I think we go back and we talk about our culture and preserving our, our, our culture and our language. Those books are amazing, and so they're the only publisher that I work with. And so I also sell Spanish children's books, and so that's Amores Meals SF. The other business that I have is Glamrock Nails. 
and that came because I was pregnant. I love getting my nails done, and I just couldn't stand the smell of acetone, and so I just told myself there had to be something better out there. And there actually is and was, and that's a soybean-based nail polish remover. Uh -huh. And so that's what Glamrock Nails is. I think that as a Latina woman, you know, we get our nails done, we do our makeup, we love it, but we're not as conscious about what we put on our skin. And so this was, again, something that I thought about when I created that business. It was about having a product that is safe for us to use, but also, quite frankly, educating my, you know, my community. Yeah. And letting them know and see that there is an alternative to acetone that you don't have to use on your nails. And so that's where Glamrock Nails came. So, okay. So you have Amores Mios SF, mm -hmm. which is jewelry and books. Mm -hmm. And why jewelry and books together? So, because Amores Mios started off as books only. But when I lived in San Diego, and I lived in San Diego for seven years, I actually sold jewelry. And so jewelry, again, is just something that I love. But then when I got pregnant with my son, and I was in San Francisco, I stopped selling jewelry, but I started selling children's books. And then it just, honestly, I don't know, I just put the two together because they're two things that I really love. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, kind of how it came about. That's what you got to do. You got to yeah. be passionate about what you're doing, right? Yeah. So that's just, it's, yeah. And then now it's... But Amores Meals is also going to grow because there's also, you know, there's, it's just basically going to represent everything that I love. And right now, another love that I have is finding clothing and great t-shirts for my three-year-old. I have a three-and-a-half-year-old boy, uh -huh. and so I will be coming out with a t-shirt line that represents my culture, and so... And so that is going to be also part of Amores Mios because, again, Amores Mios means my love. So these are all the things that I love. I love oh, a great okay, t-shirt. I love jewelry, and I love children's books. So everything that you love. Yeah. And the Glamrock Nails, right now, it's the soy-based yes. uh, nail polish remover. Yes, it's a soybean-based nail polish remover. You can go to glamrocknails.com, and you can buy and purchase a 2-ounce or a 4-ounce bottle. So, you you already explained to us like how your, your vision came about for... You know, pretty much both of these businesses and what you're planning to do in the future. But um, what about Glamrock Nails? Are you going to fit that into Amores Meals? Is that going to be separate always? or? What's yeah, that's a great question. And it's such a tough one because I've had so many conversations with so many different people. But I do believe that it's two complete separate. Yeah. It's going to stay two separate entities. Yeah. Just because the glam glamrock nails will eventually evolve as well and not to say i want a whole makeup line because no i don't want that that's not what i'm interested in yeah but i eventually would like to offer my nail polishes that will come out soon with a matching lip gloss Ooh. so that's but that's it that would be yeah. the extent of that so it is a completely different audience so how does your cultural identity affect the way you run your businesses you know that's a great question when I actually first started Glamrock Nails, what's interesting is that I wasn't interested in selling to my community because I didn't think my community would embrace it. I didn't think they would understand wanting to be conscious about putting something safer on their nails. Why not? It was just my ignorance. I just, I don't know, that's just what I, it's just what I was thinking, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then as time went by, 
it was just inevitable. I mean, I'm a Latina woman. I love my culture. I am very proud and I, I am very prideful in my culture. So it was like, what the hell? You don't want your nail polish remover company to represent you, but mm -hmm. yet. So I just said, you know, just, I threw everything out and I said I, it was more of a, how do I say it? Almost like not having faith in my own community that they would embrace my product. And I just kind of threw that out the window and I said, you know, F this. It, this is going to represent me. And if yeah. I have to educate people a little bit, if I have to explain what this is, and that's okay, that's part of the process. Yeah. So what I ended up doing was, you can see it in the colors that I chose. You can see it in the nail polish line that's going to be coming out, you know, soon. It definitely represents who I am. So the nail polish, the nail polish has, a, you know, positive affirmation words, and they're going to be in English and they're going to be in Spanish. They're also going to be urban because I grew up in San Francisco. I grew up in the Mission. I mm -hmm. listen to hip hop. I listen to alternative rock. I listen to all kinds of music, and so that is going to be part of. The, the nail polish collection that's going to be coming out yeah. and so I kind of just had to just really take a step back and kind of um, have faith in my own community that they would embrace my product because I felt for some reason that they wouldn't and mm. I know it sounds stupid but that's what I was thinking at the time no I don't think it's stupid I think it's it's interesting but it's also it's also very true for a lot of things that we do, like within our communities or like within our families. You know, we're very self-conscious of, you know, things that we want to do because they're not part of our current community. They're not part of our, you know, maybe other people around us are not doing it and we have these new ideas and we're very self-conscious of like, oh my God, well, they're not gonna like it because nobody's already doing it. But you know what? You're, you're an innovator and as innovators we have to take that risk and it is very scary to put yourself out there and the whole like feeling rejected has been an issue that I have had to struggle with a lot um, but the more and more that I put myself out there there are people who will respond in a positive way and sometimes it's people that you will never expect and people and people that I've never met like have responded to me in a great positive way yeah and I think to the other I think I sat down and I thought about you know I think with any small indie beauty brand your goal would be to be at Target or be at Ulta or be at Nordstrom right and I think at the time when I sat down and I thought about what I wanted, absolutely, I wanted to one day hopefully have my brand in a store. But I would tell myself, oh, they would never go for a Latina beauty brand. You know, people, buyers for Nordstrom and Macy's and, you know, Ulta and Target, they're not going to go for a Latina beauty brand. So that's, I was putting already that sort of negative thought in my head. And then one day I asked myself, is it more important for me to have somebody in my community rep my brand than somebody not in my community that picked up my product at a place like Target? And when my heart went to the person in my community, that's what made me change my mind. Because at the end of the day, I almost looked at it as playing a double life, right? Yeah. It would be like conforming <clears throat> myself mm -hmm. 
to yeah. something that I'm not. And I think that when I asked my question, my heart and soul has always been for my people. And when I say my people, it's Latino, Latina, Latinx, you know, those, that's my community. And so I think when I asked myself that question and my heart went straight to, you know, the Latina mom or the Latina daughter or the Latina granddaughter wearing my nail polish, then I knew that that's when I needed to throw out all those other thoughts and just be me on a more realistic level with my beauty brand. Yeah. And that's just an amazing transition and shift that you've done for yourself and for your whole community too because then you're thinking that way too and then others around you are going to start thinking that way too. Yeah. And believe me, me, all those Target, Nordstrom's, all those Ulta's, they're realizing now how huge the Latino purchasing power really is. Yeah. I mean, everywhere you go, in every industry, it's cool to be Latino or Latina now. It's cool to be Latinx. I mean, how many um, non-Latinos uh, and Latina music artists are now doing reggaeton songs? Yeah. Are now, you know? Yeah. Everybody's like crossing over where before it was Spanish artists crossing over to English, but now everybody is trying to learn Spanish and cross them over to be and speak Spanish. And yeah. you know, yeah, and that's you so see true it everywhere. And yeah. because people really understand how the Latinx community it's not even a community anymore, we're like, we're like a nation now. The Latinx yeah. nation in the U.S. is growing faster than any other population. And our purchasing power is so, it, it's amazing, and, and people are starting to realize that. Yeah, yeah, and that's actually, you know, that's, I think that's part of it too. I think it's knowing the power that we have within and embracing it, holding on to it, and then also saying, this is what it's, I'm going to stick to this, because yeah. this is it. Yeah. And you can love me or leave me, basically. Yeah. yeah. So, how easy or how difficult was it for you to find what you needed to start your business, your businesses? Like information, money, materials, maybe people, partners, or yeah. clients, anything. I mean, I think, I think it's always tough. I think for me personally, I don't tend to ask for help. And I think that I've learned to ask for help. Um, yeah, me too, so for sure. I think yeah. I'm just so used to doing it everything on my own. And I'm also used to people not wanting to share information. Mm. So I, I like to think that I'm pretty damn resourceful and I will pretty much find what I need, right? But then there's times where I may ask for help or I may ask for information and I think, uh, you know, sometimes whoever I'm asking is willing to give it and sometimes are not. And yeah. so that just comes into play too. But in general, I'm a mom. I'm Latina. I don't have a boatload of money. You know, what I invest in my businesses is my savings. Yeah. And so that's where it is. Uh, I don't have a ton of followers, you know. Um, yeah, so it, it's it's really hard because I, I like to collaborate and I want to collaborate, but sometimes I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know who to ask. And then there's all these intricacies about how can we work together? Do we even work well together? Yeah. And but you know what? You do something very well, though. You have used 
social media to connect with other people. That's something that I've noticed that you do very well. And you have asked questions sometimes on social media. Hey, does anybody know this? Can, has anybody gone through that? And, and yeah. so, yeah. Thank you. So I appreciate you, you saying you, that. You are, you are, or maybe you've gotten better, but yeah. I've gotten I better. That. You yeah. do ask questions. Thank you. I, I, honest, I love and appreciate that <coughs> comment because I've gotten better. It wasn't easy for me. And I think I, every year I try to have a motto. And so last year my motto was open heart, open mind, open arms. And that mm. was my motto. And I needed to... I needed that motto because I needed to be reminded almost every day to just ask for help. And if somebody offers it, just take it. It's yeah. okay, you know. You may not be used to taking help, but it's okay. And it was also about being open-minded. And when I say open-minded, it actually does have a lot to do with technology. Mm. I'm going to be 42 years old, so for me, technology did not come easy. I did not go to middle school and have a computer. I didn't even go to high school, and we were not using computers. So that the whole technology thing has come to me, I would say, in the last year and a half. Oh. And so it's been quite tough. But again, last year is when I really opened up my mind to being, being open and willing to make relationships, establish relationships, and nourish relationships through social media and through technology, which is something I'm just not used to. I'm used to, let's go grab a cup of coffee, or better yet, why don't you call me and we'll talk for 30 minutes or yeah. an hour, you know? Yeah. And so I appreciate that comment because I've come a long way and I have noticed it even myself, but that didn't come easy because this yeah. is not my world. This whole meeting somebody new online and it's just not my thing. Yeah, I totally agree with yeah. you though. Like I understand, like I'd rather pick up the phone and talk to someone or I'd rather, you know, talk to them in person, but like that can't happen. I mean, like just as an example, this whole week <laughs> I've been trying to talk to you because I just, I feel like everything that I want to say is easier than to say it in a text, you know? Yeah. But sometimes yeah. we have to use the other tools just to make it work. Yeah. You know? And I think also, too, it's tough because, you know, I do so many things, and I am a mom, and I know that you are, too, just also, you know, saying, hey, why don't we make an appointment to talk? I yeah. don't think there's nothing wrong with that, but honestly, that's what works for me. Yeah. Because I am always busy, and if you say, hey, Tanya, let's make an appointment, we'll talk at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m., that's yeah. going to work a lot better for me than sometimes you randomly calling yeah. me or you even sending <laughs> yeah. me a text, right? For sure. And so, and I sometimes know it it's sounds... like, oh my God, later, but then later never comes yeah. because it's like there's always something going on. Yeah, so, so I do yeah. love talking on the phone yeah. you know, because it's so much better than typing. And, and again, I want to hear your voice. Um, what I wanted to share was something that I did with Mercadito del Encanto because we go back to knowing who are who people are. And it was, you know, through social media, you meet people. And I, I might not know your first name, but I'm going to know your Instagram handle. Uh, that just seems so weird to me, especially yeah. when I'm going to buy something from you. So one of the things that I did was I did an, a, a series called Meet the Artist. And basically it was a post where it was a picture of the, of the person and then a little bit about what, how they became a vendor and what they yeah. loved about vending. And I love that because I got yeah. to know people by their first name. And it's not like, oh, yeah, you're Lunation or you're the one lock. <laughs> but that's not you. That's no, just that's your business. your business, yeah. So, again, it's, that's where the technology part of it is. It's, to me, it weirds me out. I, I know you, but I don't know your first name. I just know your 
Instagram handle yeah. where I know you by your posts. Yeah. So there's still a sense of, um, you know, that informality in technology. So. so speaking about technology, what is your favorite technological tool that you use for your business? Well, right now I'm going to say I'm getting a little bit more savvier with Instagram. Instagram is just becoming so huge in the last few months. It's it become is. even bigger. For and the past couple of years, I would say, for, for branding, it is. How yeah. has it improved your business? I sell through Instagram. Like, I can't even keep up with my website. You get orders on Instagram through, like, what, DMs, direct messages? DMs, yeah. Or comments? Yeah. Oh. Then comments. I mean, you just say, oh, I want that. And I'll DM you. Oh, you want it? Okay, what size or what color? And I'll just, you know, there's a and transaction that happens. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. So, Instagram, yeah, amazingly for me, Instagram. And I don't know it. For surely I don't. I know the basics of it. But I sell through Instagram now. I mean, I just can't even keep up with my own website. It's like now I feel like I just want to direct people to Instagram. Do you want to see um, the latest book I got? Go to Instagram. Yeah. I mean, because all the information is there. Exactly. I actually, um, I, I think, I, I predict that websites are very soon, they're coming to an end. Websi- websites are pretty much becoming our past very, yeah. very soon. And, and websites and the internet in general, I think they're just, they're going to go away. And I think that we're going to be on platforms we're going to be on apps and platforms because most of our lives, that's how, where we live now. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you could have done something different, what would that have been? With my businesses? Yeah. Or? Yeah. With one or the other? Or would you not? Or would you keep yeah. everything the same? So, you know, I like to be transparent and honest about certain things. And I always say it's, it's, it's all about the question that you ask. So you're asking me a really great question, and I'm going to share that. With Glamrock Nails, I think part of the reason I hesitate on letting that company go, because it does take a lot of work, because I invested my savings into that company, and I invested over $45,000. And that was a lot. Oh, wow. And if I that is a lot. if I look back, that's a person's salary for a whole year. It could be two yes. people's salary sometimes. So when I look back at how I spent that money, I could have done a better job. Mm. I could have had a better. Well, let's just say I could have had a business plan because I didn't. Oh, I just yeah. had a post-it note and I had an idea. Yeah. That would be the only thing. It, it was. It's a, like you said, it's a huge amount. It's yeah. a salary. It's someone's salary, and yeah. that's what I put into Glamrock Nails. And so, apart from the fact that I have, you know, I still have inventory, and and it wasn't even things like inventory. It was like paying a marketing company five thousand a month for four months, and they didn't do anything for me. Mm. You know, it was paying a designer three thousand dollars. I mean, yeah. you know, these things add up. Yeah, I could have spent it better. Yeah. I definitely could have spent it better. But you live and you learn. Yeah. I, I can't cry over spilled milk. Yeah. At the time, I had that money, and so that's why I spent it. Uh, but that was a huge learning lesson. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's something that um, I don't think that we talk about enough is money. Like, in general, yes, my money and... Um, Financial management, like personal or business, yeah. financial management is something that we don't talk about enough. Yeah. 
because the more we talk about something, then the more we learn about it. Um, you know, actually, there's two things we don't talk about enough: money and sex. If we would talk about it more, then we would learn about it more because yeah. we learn through sharing our experiences. Exactly. But in this context, <laughs> money for sure. No, I think you're right. I wish we had more conversations about money as well because it's such a taboo to talk about. It's it's something so personal. But you know what? I know it's personal, but you're not going to learn from my money mistakes if if I don't share them. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just think that we need to have a bigger, better, open conversation when it comes to money because that's how we can learn. Uh, you know, and not only that, but it's tip, tips and tricks. I come from a family who does not save. Yeah. I didn't start saving till I was in my late 20s. My mom and my parents never taught me how to save. Yeah. So I also think that had a huge impact on my, you know, on how I handle money. Um, but, I mean, again, these are things that we need to learn from each other. Not only that, but I think it's important to start teaching our children yeah. how to better manage their money. Yeah. For sure. You know, retirement, I talk about retirement a lot because it's a great, it's a good topic for me and it's one that I love. I don't know how many friends that are mine, they don't put money into their retirement. So when you retire, you're just going to live off what's supposed to be your social security check. Like, you know, you're not going to live off of that in San Francisco, right? Or in the Bay Area. I love Nowhere in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a great example too. A lot of us work and have jobs and we're not putting money into our retirement fund. So I do think we should have more conversations about financial management. Yeah. So one last question for you. If you had no constraints, would you start another business? Or what would you do with your current businesses? I wouldn't start another business. But if I had no constraints, I I would have a brick and mortar. Which is, I think, a lot of businesses, that is their goal. Right now, that's not my goal because rent is so, you know, crazy high right now in San Francisco. But right now, if you had no constraints, you would, I would open have a brick and mortar with what? I would open a brick and mortar and make it... There's a business model that I've been contemplating that maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll still do. It's... So imagine that you walk into any store. Imagine that you walk into Nordstrom. But all those different counters, they all look beautiful and they all look the same. But guess what? They all belong to different vendors. Yeah. That's uh-huh. what I would want to do. In a way Oh my God, that's exactly what I want to do too. But I would, instead of having it, so it's like a department store type thing where you walk in. But I would have it, I would want it to be a, a cooperative. Yeah. Where like all of the business owners own a piece of the business and everybody shares the time and the space to run it together because okay. you're an owner. Like so, like your 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 vision of, of like the brick and mortar. But then my vision is like the actual the cooperative, the the model of it. Yeah. yeah. And mine is different in the sense that I don't want it to be a cooperative because for me, I've had the opportunity to be in a brick and mortar. But guess what? I need that steady paycheck. So I can't physically run a brick and mortar. So my my model would be that you you pay one person, you pay you have a staff mm-hmm. and you pay them. But based on the sales of what the vendors sell, a percentage of that goes into paying that staff. And that's, so that you physically don't have to be there. That's, but as a vendor you wouldn't have to physically be there. So that's no. still the same? 
you wouldn't have to be there. Oh, you okay. can run it. Yeah. Okay. So then, yeah, yeah no, that's what I want. <laughs> because in, in in Oaxaca, I actually did a study abroad internship. Okay. In Oaxaca, in a cooperativa de mujeres artesanas. Okay. And they're all women vendors. They're artesanas. They came from all over the state of Oaxaca. They would come and they would bring, like, some of them would make dresses. Yeah. Like, some of them would make jewelry. Some of them would make similar things to the things that you're selling here now. They'd come to the main store and they'd say, okay, my price for this is, like, 20 pesos. So they would mark it up at the store. So that's essentially the wholesale price, yeah. right? So the vendor... Puts, the individual vendor puts their price, which is like the wholesale price, uh-huh. and they would mark it up. And only when they would sell those pieces, then they would come back and get money for the pieces they sold and then bring new material. So they wouldn't essentially... Yeah, so the store very... is not purchasing it at a wholesale price to sell it so, the, so that the store, yeah. the store it is, does not have the obligation to sell everything. It's like, because it's a cooperative... You only get money for the things that are sold. Oh yeah, so then it's very yeah. similar. Yeah. So I, I, but this idea is not mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my idea. I mean, it's <laughs> it's actually a, a store in San Diego that has this exact model, and it. What's it called? It's called Pangea. Oh okay. Exact model, and if you go to their website, they have the page of how to be a vendor, and mm-hmm. I think they take thirty percent of mm-hmm. what you sell, mm-hmm. but it. To what you're saying, they're not buying anything. They're just basically allowing you to display mm-hmm. your items, and then once that item sells, the store gets thirty percent, mm-hmm. and from that thirty percent, the store pays a staff. Mm-hmm. So for me, what I love about the biz that business model is that you don't have to physically be present to run mm. your merchandise. Yeah. Because I think that a lot of us, that's that's the problem. Like, yes. the reason we vend on the weekends yeah. is because Monday through Friday, we're working nine-to-five jobs, right? So, it sounds very similar. But yeah, that would probably be my goal. And, I, yeah. and on top of that, you want it to look uniform. Yeah. I don't, you know, there's yeah. a lot of stores in the mission. I was sharing this with a friend. You know, it, they, there's a few stores in the mission where you walk in and there's three different vendors but you can tell because you've got your cell phone person then you got your gold jewelry person yeah. and then you got your handbag person yeah but what about if you made that store look uniform and so, everything kind of oh my god i feel like we're having a business meeting right now because that's exactly what i would i was thinking too it would all be under one brand that's what it would be yes. under a cooperative yeah it's all under one brand yeah yeah okay we need to finish our business meeting at another time <laughs> not in, not in this podcast episode <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> this is this is why I think you and I don't talk on the phone. Because if we talked on the phone, we would never hang up. Yeah, we have so many ideas that we think alike too. Yeah. Okay, but anyway, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Thanks we're for like, being here. We're like at the mercado during the day recording this podcast like I swear she has like a clone running around somewhere taking care of everything else my cousin I cannot do this without my family to be honest with you so I do need to say that this when you do when you're a mom or you're a business owner it's same thing it it takes a village to to build a business and and raise your children so I couldn't do it without my family I mean my children are right here with me (laughs) we're recording this podcast and they're coloring right here and they're coloring and they're awesome and they're also older too so they sit still (laughs) for the most part (laughs) 
Well, thank you very much. I really, really appreciate you taking the thank time. You. I'm so excited for Mercadito del Encanto. Thank and you. And when is the next event? The next event is going to be November 16th at the Bayview Opera House on 3rd Street. We are doing it and partnering with uh, the Bayview Opera House, which they're going to be doing their Christmas tree lighting ceremony. How fun. So, so it's going to be a, a Friday beautiful night? event. It's going to be a Friday night from uh -huh. 5 p.m. to 7.30, but there's going to be wine and food and activities for the kids so it's definitely family friendly and if you're in town and you want to come by and have a great time definitely do it and I want to promote the December event only and I do this because <laughs> this is it it's what makes the winter wonderland different is because something that I want to teach my child is cultural diversity yeah. so the Bayview Opera House is one of the few places that will have an African-American Santa <laughs> And I love that. So last year, I went with my child. It was fun. And again, it's you just have to visually see that. Santa yeah. is not just one color. Yeah, right. And that's not the impression I want to give my child. Yeah. So Winter Wonderland is uh, going to be December 20th at the Baby Opera House. We, Mercadito Le Encanto, will also be there. And they will have ice skating for the kids and African-American Santa. So come and bring your children and it'll be a lot of fun well i definitely will <laughs> and um where can people find you and everything that you do so we yeah. have amores meals sf amores meals sf is instagram please follow me through instagram mercadito del encanto on instagram and then glam rock nails has a website and an instagram account okay Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was really fun. Yes, I, it yes. was. And we'll continue our business meeting later. <laughs> we should, totally. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening to Relate and Elevate. Find me on Instagram and Twitter at Giselle's World and on Facebook at GM Strategist. Make sure to visit my website, GiselleMartin.com and please, please rate review, and subscribe to this podcast. Hope you have an amazing day. Bye.